Winning Retirement Radio. Guys, I've mentioned to you, I think we've talked about it on the air. My mom recently had some surgery, and so there's a lot of follow-up appointments. By the way, she's doing great. But we were at the doctor's office the other day and started chatting with this very nice lady. You know I have a problem. Strangers don't exist. They're everywhere, and I make friends with them. And she was telling us that her husband is ready to retire, but he has to work through the end of the year until she's able to start Medicare. Is that common for couples at that age to approach health care in that fashion? Oh, yeah. I mean, the health insurance premium is like a house payment for some people, mm-hmm. depending on their Gosh. income level. But yeah, and you're talking about the doctor's appointment. The last time I was with my mother at a doctor's appointment, she's had a few health things over the past few years. Mm-hmm. And, and it was during the last presidential election. Oh. And mom walks in and she's seeing everybody in the waiting area there. And she walks up to each and every person in the waiting room and says, are you voting for Trump? (laughs) You voting for Trump? Why aren't you voting for Trump? I mean, (laughs) needless to say, her brother takes or his brother takes her (laughs) to all the appointments now. (laughs) So my mother has an opinion and, you know, you know, no secret. (laughs) Like I've never met a stranger. She's never met a stranger that doesn't know her opinion. I love it. I think that's great. Uh, Yeah. So that was actually very funny. But. The medical thing is a big, big deal because once you're eligible for Medicare, which for most people is when they turn 65, and you now have lots of choices to make. Do I just take my traditional Medicare and that's it? My Medicare Part A, which is hospitalization, Part B, which is medical, Part D, which is prescription drug, and you take those. And and so you have those benefits. And for a lot of people, then they decide do I want a Medicare supplement insurance policy that will fill the gaps? It's sometimes called a Medigap policy. Or do I say goodbye to traditional Medicare and then go to a Medicare Advantage plan, which is, by the way, a Medicare HMO, Mm. which means you have a few stipulations as to where you can go, what hospitals or doctors or things like that. Now, we don't do those types of things in office here, but I've had the same person I've worked with since 1994 who I trust and and I believe does a good job. And so he uh, helps each and every one of our clients with this Medicare decision, at least the ones that reach out to him. And so that's a resource for folks to say, okay, there's a lot going on. You turn 65, there's Medicare. But even on Medicare, then you have to be cautious about how much income you bring in. Because if you go over a certain level, then your Part B premium and your Part D premium can go up. And it can go up like 400%. Hmm. I mean, I call call this the hidden tax. I was like, 400%? That's not a real number, is it? Yeah. It is a real number. I mean, it can go from $160 a month to almost $600 a month. I mean, it's a big, big deal. Especially for the middle class. And that's typically, you know, who you guys help retire. We call them affectionately middle class millionaires. But still, $400 a month will eat away at things quickly. Well, yes. And, you know, I'm always talking to people about Roth IRAs and Roth conversions. Because, you know, in our mind, uh, the Roth is the best thing. Because we paid our debt to society, right? We paid our debt to Uncle Sam, We've kind of gotten that lien off of our retirement accounts once we've paid the taxes, and now it goes to a tax-free account. But that's one of those sneaky taxes. Leave it to the government to figure out a way to tax our health care. 
Mm -hmm. Now, by the way, they don't call it a tax. They just call it additional premium. But it sure feels like a tax to me because it's based upon our income. And don't you think, I mean, yes, we want to make sure we have proper health care coverage. We want to make sure all those things in place. But don't you think that if they can figure out a way to tax our health care, <laughs> they're going to do it, that they're going to figure out ways to tax other areas of our life? Yes. Because, okay, now they're going to tax our recreation if we earn a little extra or, or lots of different things. So to me, the primary focus should be thinking about how much tax do I potentially owe in my retirement to Uncle Sam? Hmm. And we've been taught all our life, right, that, okay, when you're putting money aside, don't pay taxes today. Let's delay them till later. So let's put as much as we possibly can into our 401k. Let's put as much as we possibly can into our traditional IRA. Let's put as much as we can into deferred compensation and just do everything we can to delay that down the road. And the thinking was always, well, down the road, taxes are going to be what? Lower. That was kind of our mindset, especially, you know, if we work with a lot of professionals and a lot of people that are very successful. Work with a man. He never... He never went to college. What a great success story, American success story. This gentleman, he finished high school and, you know, he learned a trade mm -hmm. from his dad. Oh. And that was the masonry trade. Oh, wow. And so all his life, he's been in the masonry business and, you know, went from just, you know, laying bricks for people and, and block for people to having a business where he's building major major developments here in the Columbus area. Good for him. And, and, yes, and bringing in hundreds of thousands of dollars a year because he was a good hard worker and because he was honest and he always wanted to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. It's amazing to me. But this particular guy, he's like, Greg, you know, I don't trust the government. <laughs> Join the club. <laughs> we have meetings every Tuesday. You say, I was going to say this particular guy, there's multiple people that say that. Yes, but he came right out and said it. I mean, it wasn't even wasn't even a, you know, I just want you to know, I don't trust the government. I hear you talking about taxes all the time, Greg. He said, I like my advisor. He's a nice guy. He says, but he never talks about taxes. Mm. And he said, you know, I went to him and asked him about it. He said, oh, you know, about the Roth conversion 10 years ago. He's like, oh, you don't need that. He's mm. like, now I'm looking and I've got a few million dollars in tax-deferred assets, and had I done this 10 years ago, I could have had all my taxes paid. Wow. I mean, he is so upset. And, and I said, look, you know, it was kind of a different mindset back then for a lot of people. I said, now, 10 years ago in my book, I talked about, you know, this tax trap mm -hmm. who, Ed Slott, who's a nationally known CPA. The guy that's on PBS a lot. Yeah, he's on PBS a lot, and, you know, he, he's out there in the tax world, and he back then called it a tax time bomb, Yeah, a tax time bomb. So folks, yes, we need to be ready for Medicare and we need to be ready for all these things, but there's really all these different areas. We want our investments to be efficient. We want our you know, income to be efficient. We want our healthcare to be efficient. We want our, you know, whatever's left over because our loved ones to be efficient. But this thing about taxes, to me, it might be the biggest threat that we could face to a successful retirement. And what are we doing about it? What are we doing about it? Well, we want you that are listening 
to be able to have an idea what you might be facing. Okay. Because this is huge, or at least it could be. And so we have a link you can go to. It's called testmyretirement.com. Testmyretirement.com. And you go there and you'll go to a landing page. And then you'll have a little button there that says you can push to learn more. And that's going to take you to something that can help you find out at least a potential of what your retirement tax bill could actually look like. And so you'll put in your name and in a little bit of information, you'll put in the amount you have in tax deferred and, and some other things. There'll be prompts there to help you. And then within just a little while, it's going to help you understand what your potential tax bill could look like. And you say a little versus, while, Greg, I think it's like 30 seconds. I'm sorry yeah, I mean, to interrupt. Yeah, it's not long. It's just no. yes, less than a minute. Mm-hmm. Versus the tax you would pay if you converted it to a Roth. And, and by the way, in this report, you're going to see how much those required minimum distributions could look like when you turn age 73 and the government says, okay, you didn't want to take money out. Well, guess what? Now you have to. Being efficient with taxes and retirement is key, especially at Legacy Retirement Group. It should be key with every advisor. But if your advisor is not focusing on that as part of your overall plan, do visit testmyretirement.com to at least get an idea. You know, people are anxious right now. I was just telling you guys off the air that I finally got a massage this past weekend at a spa, something I've needed just because, ah, stress. Everyone I know is stressed. And the VIX, which, by the way, is an index that measures the fear on Wall Street, which is great that that's a thing, by the way. It rose above 23 recently, its highest level since the first few trading days of the year and the most since March of 2020. Readings below 20 typically signify complacency, while those above 30 signal investors are scurrying for protection. So people are nervous is the quick summary there. Are you and the rest of the team at Legacy Retirement Group noticing any increasing concerns from your clients because things just feel off? Yeah, I mean, not just clients, I would say, uh, because every once in a while I get a call from a client that wants to talk shop as far as the economy goes and, you know, what the latest news headlines are. But I'll say that families calling in that have never met with us before is where we're seeing the most concern because... I can tell you, we get a dozen calls a week, at least throughout the week from various, you know, radio shows and TV shows that we air where people are saying, okay, this hit a nerve. I've been concerned about, you know, whatever it is, the prices, the inflation, the, the uh, roller coaster ride, that's the stock market. What can I do to calm my fears is really the question that they're not saying verbally, right? That's mm-hmm. the unspoken thing that's on, on their mind. And honestly, I think part of calming your fears is understanding exactly what's going on. I think sometimes you have to, what's that learning by osmosis, right? Mm. That people do sometimes. Mm-hmm. I tried that. It never worked. But I, but I do think <laughs> learning actively is better because as you understand what's happening, you can say, you know, it's okay. We went to a meeting uh, about a month ago in Vegas, and there was a, a speaker there that was training on how to speak better. <laughs> and one of the things she mentioned, and, and I'll get to a point here, I'll lay in my plane, not, not, no pun intended on the last uh, conversation <laughs> there. But she said, you know, you get that feeling where your heart starts pounding when you think you're going to speak or when 
you know, you're getting ready to do something that's kind of nerve wracking, right? Mm -hmm. And that nervousness is really just adrenaline and all the physiological stuff that happens in our body when we get anxious. But she said, if you just redirect that to thinking about the fact that when you're excited, you get the same feeling, then you won't be as nervous. So, you know, it's your money. It's going to make you anxious no matter what. But I think if you can redirect that to education and understanding what's going on and understanding how to make better decisions for your personal economy, for your portfolios, for the dollars you've worked so hard to save, I think that can ease your fears just a bit. Don't you, Greg? Oh, for sure. And, you know, one of the things that I think helps is when we actually understand what it is we're investing in and what we're exposed to. So what I mean by that is when we have asset classes that that we're invested in, but we don't really know what they are. Mm. Maybe we're in a target date fund, meaning it's like a 2025 fund or a 2030 fund or a 2035 fund, or, or perhaps we're in a set of mutual funds that we feel comfortable with or just whatever we've selected for our investments. But we see the market going up, we see the market coming down, and, and we notice that, you know, we watch the news and they're talking about the S&P dropped so many points today or the Dow dropped so many points today. And it is hard to understand exactly how that relates to what it is that we're investing in. So the key I see when it comes to investing is to be efficient. Huh. It's to be efficient with risk, it's to be efficient with return, it's all those things. But when we actually look at it and try to figure out, okay, are we efficient? It's sometimes hard to figure that out. And I, I just uh, recently met with a, a couple that came in and they said, well, we, you know, we don't really have too many concerns about things except for the volatility in our accounts. And we feel like we're pretty conservative. Hmm. So we don't understand where, where that really comes to play because we're not aggressive at all. And I said, well, let's test it. And so we did. We sent off their statements to our team and we had them analyzed. And and uh, then they came back in for the second meeting and we got to looking inside and we realized that, okay, where they were on a scale of one to 99 on what we call a risk scale, hmm. their current portfolio was at a 70. So it was higher up on the scale. Okay. A lot of times we get feedback that it's like going to the financial optometrist, right? Because we're asking a series of questions to try to figure out what comfort level people have when it comes to risk versus return. I mean, in reality, we'd love to have the greatest return without any risk, but that doesn't exist. So what we're trying to figure out is what is the trade-off between how much return I can get and how much risk I'm taking? And this couple... They scored a 45, which is not super low, but it was more towards the middle. And when we found out, we measure something called maximum drawdown. And that, in other words, that's the most at any one negative point that their portfolio, had it existed like that over several years, would have experienced. Okay. Their current portfolio was over 40%. Oh, and they had done a pretty good job of saving. They'd saved slightly over a half million dollars. So for them, the drawdown was over $200,000. Mm. And so I just asked them, if this were to happen again, would you be okay with that? And they're both mortified. They're like, well, absolutely not. We never wanted to ever be in anything like this. I said, okay, well, let's 
see what kind of return you received over the last few years for the risk that has been taken. And the average return for five years was under 6%. <sighs> yeah, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't great. So what we figured out was their portfolio currently wasn't very efficient. Mm-hmm. And we measured that on something called the Sharpe Ratio. And I'm not giving all those numbers and statistics <laughs> and all those things on the radio. We do those things in the office so people can understand. Sort of like, you know, you go to your doctor, you have your blood tested. You want to make sure that, you know, later you get the results. You don't want to just hear, okay, I'm healthy. Mm-hmm. You want to know why it is they think you're healthy. So ultimately, we were able to show them ways to become more efficient. Efficiency is key, especially when it comes to your dollars and cents. I mean, think about how you try to be efficient with major purchases. Reach out for more information by visiting LegacyRetirementGroup.com. Is there anything name brand that you refuse to replace with the generic lesser expensive option during this time of inflation? Laundry detergent. I have to use... Purcell. As long as it's... P-E-R-S-I-L. S-I-L. I don't know how to say it for sure, but Purcell, it's it's the expensive version of Purex. Purex is the cheap version. That's what I use. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I have sensitive skin. <laughs> but that's still better than like generic laundry detergent. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And for me, it's Band-Aids because you ever get the Band-Aid, and I don't wear Band-Aids very often, but when you get one, like you want it to <laughs> stick to your finger. Wait. Daddy, you were so right, I... Greg. That's a real thing. Cheap Band-Aids don't stay. No. I, Hold I, on, though. Why did you pick Band-Aids of all, all the consumable things. products? Band-Aids. Like condiments, Coca-Cola. Well, I'm not much of a sauce guy, but the one thing that I'll have on my hamburger is ketchup. Oh, yeah. So generic ketchup is a no-go. No, 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 no. Yes. So Heinz, for sure. That's okay. That one is is a, I'm sorry, I'm not going off the plantation with that. I'm staying <laughs> with the Heinz because <laughs> I can tell you I'm going to get a cheeseburger. It's going to be lettuce, tomato, onion, pickle, and ketchup. I don't like mayo. But hold on, on a second. Burger. You like a Big Mac with the special sauce. We've talked that's about that. That's the only thing. That's about the only special sauce yeah, that, that is, I like. That is okay. about the only one he'll have. Yes. And if they cake it on too heavy, then I can't eat it. Yeah. It has to be just right. And Kristen and I both worked at McDonald's when we were young, and we can tell very quickly if it wasn't made right. Man. All right, Mickey D's, you're listening. I hope. (laughs) Get that order right for the tailors. But in this day and age, a lot of people are looking for ways to save money. And sometimes it means getting the generic or skipping it altogether. And I bring this up because CNBC's Jim Cramer spoke to the CEO of J.P. Morgan, Jamie Dimon, recently about the economy and how he knows Dimon has to be worried about a recession. Do you tell people listen, batten down? I tell people not really. Yes, on certain things, but for the most part, no. But we always have a recession playbook. What you might do with certain credit. Well, you're breaking it out right here? Not really. This is the contradiction here. Okay. The U.S. economy right now is doing quite well. Consumers have a lot of money. They're spending it. Jobs are plentiful. But back in October, Jamie Dimon was on the same network warning that the United States was likely to tip into a recession within six to nine months. That was back in October. Very That's different prediction now. Yes, he could be a politician. They really, <laughs> they've asked him if he's going to run for president. Have you seen that part of the interview? I did not. We've had so many conversations on the economy, and it's it's so interesting because there's so many things going on, so many things to unpack, and I know we don't have enough time to discuss them all. But what I thought was interesting, I, I pulled up just because of all the conversations about the consumer price index and 
and whether or not we're going to go into recession and, and economists are about 50-50 split, whether it'll be this year or within a year from now, which would be into 2024. And what I thought was interesting is when you're talking about a recession, you're going to look into production factors, okay? Okay. So production factors include land, which would be, you know, just commercial land or food producing land, labor, which is, you know, general labor, but also you start looking into technology labor. So, you know, technological advances within the labor sector. And then you have capital, not just capital as far as money goes, dollar signs, but also goods. So capital goods. So those production process equipment, things like um, machinery and tools and, and things of that nature. So you have manufacturing companies need capital to invest in those tools, but then they also need cash available when they're not actually spending because they're worried about how the economy is going to go. And then you have entrepreneurship. And of course, I've always said socialism kills innovation. So mm-hmm. that put that out the window. If we keep going down the political road, we're going down, you know, entrepreneurship will be dead as we know it. But it is For increasing sure. because of what happened during COVID. So unemployment's another factor that that we talk about a lot of times. So all those things, when you start really looking at them, we're in a conundrum. And that's why economists can't get their story straight. That's the point of I'm going to land my plane. That's that's what I'm trying to say is they can't get their story straight because of the artificial propping up our government did for our economy for so So long. long. It was like it's like the um, trifecta effect. Right. We are already dealing with the artificial propping up of our economy. Then COVID happened. Then we threw more money into the mix, right? Mm -hmm. And then we had the supply and demand off balance because businesses had nobody working because people were sick and staying home. And we've not been able to replace the whole labor force, but yet everything else cues towards recession. Yeah. Yeah. So it's crazy what's going on. And that's why it's like you have one that just it's like a buffet going on, an economic buffet. And certain economies pick from different things to say what their outlook is. And we're going to keep saying what we've always said on the show since before COVID, since before any of this happened, since probably (laughs) how long have we been doing the show now? 10 years almost. Is that your personal economy is what matters. Mm -hmm. And you have what you have to work with, right? You absolutely do. And And when you come down to it, when you're trying to figure this all out, is you're saying to yourself, okay, how can I feel like no matter what happens with the crazies? I mean, think about what's happened. What Kristen just described is like a Ponzi scheme. Mm, Really, it it, almost seems like that. It really is. And I'm thinking about this family that I met with. It's probably been five, six years ago now. And they weren't really in a position to become a client, but they came in. They called in from the show they love listening every week, and they came in, and they hadn't saved much at all. I mean, less than $50,000. Yet, what they had done is they had accumulated so much debt. Mm. They maxed out all their credit cards, and then they did home equity lines to pay off their credit card, and then they had the home equity debt, and then their credit cards got maxed out again, and it was just a vicious cycle for this couple. And so I spent probably two or three hours with them because I felt so bad that I helped them outline a get out of debt plan. I like that. I don't think many advisors would take the time to do that because you don't make any money that way. No offense. I think it's great. 
But well, but my heart was just breaking for this couple because, I mean, they really were were pretty successful outside of their spending habits. So then, for a couple years, I checked back with them just to see how they were doing, and I got a, a message from the husband maybe six months ago or so that they're about 80% debt-free now. They've paid off 80% of that debt. Just an amazing thing. They, they decided, okay, you know, it's the definition of insanity, right? That they, if they wanted mm-hmm. something different to happen, they had to do something different. Mm-hmm. And so that happened for them. Well, that's what I'm thinking about for our country and for our people that we work with. Okay, the way this country is going, if we just stay on the trajectory... We'll just keep deferring our tax till later. We'll just keep on investing in just index funds or whatever and uh, target date funds. And, and we expect something different to happen. Mm-hmm. Folks, it doesn't happen. If you want to take control of your personal economy, you have to start now. Connect now at winningretirementradio.com. Greg Taylor is an investment advisory representative of Legacy Advisory Network, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the state of Ohio. The firm only conducts business in states where it's properly registered or is excluded from registration requirements. Legacy Advisory Network, LLC, and this station are not affiliated. The investment ideas and financial vehicles discussed here should not be considered to be personalized investment advice, nor are these recommendations to buy or sell any particular investment or product. The information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should first consult with the competent tax, legal, accounting, and other professionals regarding the applicability and the suitability of any investment ideas. Past performance is not guaranteed of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company.